in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. Two brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, John Flack and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. Today, I am your host, Russell Guest. I was your host yesterday, and I'll be your host tomorrow. But also joining me today is Brian Fry from Spokane, Washington, in the flesh. Brian, how are you doing? Evening, everybody. I'm doing fantastic. But that's not all. You're going to get yet another great movie insight giver with Benjamin Johnson returning for his second time. Ben, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Great to be back in the round table and looking forward to another great review. I thought Joshua was reading that intro. <laughs> so you guys want to play a game? Let's play a game. Let's play a game. What game should we play? Uh, we can play a game with Detective McLean. Mm, I set you up on that one. You're supposed to say global thermonuclear war. But... <laughs> oh. Let's like play a nice, a nice game of chess, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Tic-tac-toe. Oh, yeah. I need to get better at that. I keep losing. <laughs> it happens, apparently. Yeah, I'm on a losing streak. Uh, anyway. I found out recently my wife is really bad at Connect Four. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. They had one of those giant ones at the beach, and I beat her like ten times straight. It was fantastic. Good at being a doctor. Not so much to Connect Four. <laughs> she she caught on eventually. <laughs> it helped when I explained the rules. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so today I'm going to have to ask, We, you know Ben already, but we're going to get to know him just a little bit better. Ben, you ready for this? I'm ready to go. What is your favorite movie, Alien? Favorite movie, Alien. Can you be more specific? It would be an alien that was in a movie. <laughs> an alien that was in a movie, but does it... Like, Can it be like an android, or does it have to be like an organic alien? Was it an android made by an alien species? Hmm. Go on. Let's see where this goes. Well, I would say, do you remember the 80s movie Batteries Not Included? Hmm. Actually, I'm not sure that I do. Well, yeah, that one. it was, I don't know if it was made by Disney. I could probably pull it up. But it just had these, this race of little robots. And I would just remember when I was little, I was obsessed with robots. And I fell in love with these robots. And they were just like the cutest little things. And they would like repair things. And they rebuilt this building for these old people. So they're from outer space, right? They're from outer space. I think we'll let that go. That counts, right, Ben? Or Brian? Yes. I The thing is... You describing that tickled my memory a little bit, so I feel like I might have seen this movie. That that seems super familiar. They do look cute. I just Googled them. Uh, 
but I <laughs> have not actually seen this movie. Uh, I'm intrigued now, as just to, because it's a movie, and I haven't seen it, so I should. In my quest to see all movies. Uh, so, mine would be Yoda. I don't know about yours, Brian. <sighs> That's a great choice. Favorite movie, Alien. Um, gosh. Jabba That's... the Hutt? No. Why would it be Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> Pizza Nobody's the Hutt. favorite movie. Yeah, Pizza the Hutt. Pizza the Hutt would be more likely. <laughs> uh, if I was going Star Wars, I'd definitely go Chewbacca. Oh, yeah, that counts too. Oh, that's... Oh, man. I'm still sticking with Yoda, but that that sounds good. See, we could just like limit it to Star Wars, and then that would be a world within itself. I feel. Yeah, a galaxy, in fact, a galaxy within itself. Mm -hmm. And then you could do the whole. Yeah, I was thinking about Worf from Star Trek. Yeah, you could do Star Trek in itself. Yeah. Is he an alien? Um, Yeah, he's he's clean. Yeah, man, he's. he's, Oh, okay. I thought he was part human, part like California raisin. Oh, Russell. One of these days. <laughs> that was pretty good, though. One of these days. California Raisin. What movie uh, did everyone else love but you thought was overrated? The movie that I thought that was overrated but everyone else loved was Titanic. Oh, that's that's a good call. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the Oscars, definitely. Uh, we did the L.A. Confidential episode, and I got mad at how many awards L.A. Confidential didn't win because of titanic so mm. uh it, it, it might i agree with that more and more every day yes um and what is the movie that resulted in the most packed theater you've ever been in has to be star wars one was it the re-release of the thx or no 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 episode one episode one the phantom menace yes i remember it clearly it was released when i was living in hawaii and we went into the theater Foolishly, this was the first and only time that I've gone to the first day release of a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And we had to sit in the aisles and uh, basically stare straight up at the screen. Ooh. Yeah. My most packed one was The Matrix Revolutions. Wow. Uh, it, I was also sitting yeah. on the stairs of the uh, aisle, which... Uh, as an architect, I know it's a no-no because that's <laughs> not up to code. Too many people are in that room, and if it catches on fire, we would all, you know, come to a horrible death. But uh, luckily, nobody smoked in there and uh, put their cigarette out in a can of gasoline, and therefore the theater did not catch on fire. Everybody had fun. It's surprising how many people do that in movie theaters these days. Yep, they they just don't read the sign that says no cans of gasoline. <laughs> I'm going to go unconventional on this one. It's not that I don't like this movie, but given the hype it got, it just that part annoyed me. Forrest Gump. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I, I'd I agree I, with I just, that. I, I'm the everybody I, who I loved it. I enjoyed the movie, but I don't like the hype that it got was just, it's like Dave Matthews band. I'm like, all right, they're fine. <laughs> but like, let's not get carried away here, guys. Like this is super like, vanilla to be this excited about i like the movie because it gave me a lot of uh, options with how to eat shrimp that i hadn't considered in the past there is that aspect yeah and it did it all before google that's true bubba was like shrimp google like he knew everything there was to know about (laughs) shrimp so today's movie is going to be what ben transformers no no, that would be the wrong movie. <laughs> How about War Games? But I wanted Transformers. There we go. There we go. 
Yes, uh, the movie is War Games uh, from 1983. It grossed $79.5 million, which uh, that's actually placing pretty strongly. It uh, is fifth on the box office for the year. It comes in behind Eddie Murphy's Trading Places and in front of James Bond's Octopussy. Uh, It is... If you're wondering what the biggest movie that year that was, it was Return of the Jedi. So everything comes full circle with more Star Wars. IMDb gives this movie a 7.1. The Rotten Tomatoes critics give War Games 93%, and the audience score gives it 76%. Uh, so the critics really like this. The audience is a little cooler on it, but still like it. Uh, and surprisingly, this movie comes away with three Oscar nominations. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Sound, and Best Screenplay. So, Ben, have you seen War Games before? If so, what was your first time? What were your thoughts coming in? How long had it been since you've seen it? The first time I saw War Games was years ago when I was quite young. Um, And I fell in love with it because it was so... It was fun and it was coming... I think I actually saw it in the 80s. So it was like... At the time, yeah, it was actually cutting edge. And Matthew Broderick was, you know, sexy. Mm -hmm. And you can't argue with that. What do you mean was? Yeah, right? He still is, kind of. So you're saying he settled with Jessica Parker. He could have done (laughs) better. Okay. Um, Couldn't we all? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, that is the a, uh, third burn for just Sarah Jessica Parker. She's like my ongoing punching bag for this. I don't know. She um, and, hey, us, us and Seth MacFarlane. She probably doesn't listen to the show anymore. <laughs> no, she still does. I, yeah, you're right. We're that good. <laughs> true. True. Um, no, it's a, it's a great movie and uh, easy to fall in love with. And really relevant to, I think, what's going on to in the world today still. Even... How many years ago? 30 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. And so had you seen this one along the way or had you put it down for a long time? I pick it up every so often. So it's always fresh in the back of my back of my mind. And what about you, Brian? Have you seen War Games before? If so, what were your experiences with it? I, I want to say that I saw this sometime in the early 90s. Um, I knew what it was and I knew the premise of it, but that was about it. Like I had vague like notions of how the movie went, I would not have been able to wing this episode basically. And, uh, so when I rewatched it thoroughly enjoyed it, this is my kind of movie. I, I liked the hacker slash like computer warfare, the, the new age coming of computer movies that, that kind of dominated the eighties and early nineties. As for me, I was handed this movie from my mom. She went to the rental store, picked up probably a movie. She Sometimes I would get these surprise movies, which are sometimes really great, like where you didn't have anything to do with picking it out. And then someone's like, you should watch this. And then you watch it. And it's usually really good because they've gone to bad for it. Occasionally, they just haven't seen it. And you're like, here, watch this. In this case, it was really good. And uh, so I was like, war games. I like war. I like games. This sounds great. And it was. <laughs> so... Uh, and it was. And I did not watch it until many, 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 many years later, taking us all the way up to probably about three years ago. It came on one of the movie channels. I DVR recorded it because my wife Mary had not seen it. And I said, well, you should see War Games. You know, you, you would like this. And she did. 
And so it hasn't been so, so long, but I can definitely say that there was a huge gap of time in there. Yeah. And uh, it held up better than I thought because I was kind of going to be like, you never know how those movies you watched as a kid mm-hmm. hold up. And this one does. Well, if you take apart the fact that there's like visual dating of the movie, like you can tell basic time frame and then the fact the technology looks the way it does, but they don't verbally throw themselves under the bus in this movie. No, you're right. I, I no, agree. I, I think from a military standpoint, it's very relevant, like I said, to what's the current state of affairs of the world today. And the military exercises that they go through are very similar to what the military does today. So it's not that far of a leap to think that something like that would could happen today, especially in today's world of hacking. Yeah. So not only not we should also mention Ben was himself in the military in the I Navy. Was. Yeah. So I thought you, you were gonna say Ben was himself a hacker. Yeah. If he's doing, I was gonna say if he's doing that, so I don't know. There's actually a division of the military that does hack, and I almost applied for that. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I didn't. I figured. I don't know why I figured that they just arrested people for hacking and then let them off easy by letting them do that for them. No. I figured that's just in the movies. Okay. I assume that's where the government hackers. You're a very (laughs) dangerous hacker. Please take control of our computer systems and help us. I guess it doesn't sound as good now that you said that. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. We don't know what we're doing. Please help us out. All right. But we're going to have to spoil War Games. And so if you haven't seen the movie War Games, at this point I recommend pausing, going and watching War Games, and coming back and hearing all the great insights Brian and Ben have to offer. And we'll be back after these messages. You want to reach out to your favorite podcast retro movie roundtable? Yeah! Well, now you can. Simply go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review. Wow! I didn't know it was so easy. It took me less than 60 seconds. That's right. It's easy. Also, you can follow along and interact with the growing Retro Movie Roundtable community by liking Retro Movie Roundtable on Facebook. Facebook? Wow! Even my parents can use Facebook. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, Timmy. And if you want to write in to John and Russell, you can also write them at an email at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. I never knew it was so easy to reach out to Retro Movie Roundtable. It is easy, and it helps the podcast gain viewers and grow their community of movie lovers. So, remember, reach out to Retro Movie Roundtable and let them know what you think of them. So we're about to get into the great movie of War Games. If you haven't seen it, divert your ears. Otherwise, let's get into it now. So this movie starts out with a missile silo launch sequence. What happens here, Ben? So basically, we start out at the bottom of a nuclear launch silo somewhere in the rural United States. And these guys are presented with the end of the world scenario. And basically, their job is to end all life as we know it. They're ordered to turn the key, and one of them can't do it. So The other guy's like pointing a gun at the other guy. Which is really ironic, since it takes two people to turn the key, if you notice. Mm-hmm. So if you shoot somebody, you won't be able to turn the other key. So 
shooting the person would have no effect whatsoever. Brian, do you turn the key? If uh, let's say I'm, I've already turned. I'm ready to turn my key and look your way. Are you turning your key in this situation? You know, I used the uh, the quote already in our previous podcast, but it's a uh, Gene Hackman from uh, Crimson Tide. By all means, sir, drop that effort twice. Okay. <laughs> So, so uh, the guy has second thoughts before he wipes out a whole town of, I forget, thousands and thousands of people. So uh, he has second thoughts because he didn't get to actually get a word from the president. So this is a drill, turns out. And we find out that the generals and military intelligence uh, leaders debating the outcome of this. And what happens here, Ben? They basically decide that they want the computer to make the decisions from now on and not the people in the silos to make the decisions whether to launch the missiles. So they incorporate what they call the Whopper, which stands for... Delicious hamburger? No, it's not a cheeseburger this time. Whopper is War Operations Plan Response. Brian, is this a good idea? Oh, having a computer in charge of your nuclear arsenal? Um, I saw Terminator, and I'm going to go with a uh, Texas size now. (laughs) <laughs> okay so uh after this really intense start of the movie which somehow i didn't remember like i don't know why i don't remember this opening scene of this movie uh but then we go to meet the main character david lightman and what's david like uh ben david is kind of your basic wannabe hacker in the 80s uh he loves his dial-up service and in his two or eight bit graphic games and he just wants to go and he wants to play some some games on he wants to hack some stuff he's kind of a not into school yeah not really into school likes girls and uh hey you must be girls yeah so uh we also meet here in his high school jennifer mack and the two of them uh seem to hit it off as if they've just met uh, late in school, right before summer. It's kind of interesting. They seem to just now be meeting. Brian, what is Jennifer Mack like? You know, it was refreshing to me to actually see a girl hit on a guy in a movie for once. I didn't really think it happened very often. And then I watched this movie and I was like, all right, man, you go for it. It doesn't happen, but I'm sure all the computer nerds will then tell you that this happens. (laughs) This happens for them all of the time. Well, I'm sure it does happen when they're 35 and run a multi-trillion dollar industry. No, when they're 16. uh, (laughs) When they're 16? Yeah. I'm sure Bill Uh, Gates had a lot of dates in high school. Yeah. It's the haircut. Mm. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. So, we've got a... She takes a liking to him, Yeah, is what Brian's saying. Yeah. She She was very insistent. She started showing up at his house. Stalking him, really. Right. I mean, she yeah, found him at the arcade. She seems like she, she would be cool. Yeah. That's right. And she gives him a ride on her bike. I even say she's a stage, stage five clinger. <laughs> <laughs> so David's pretty excited by all of this. And uh, so to woo her, he shows her his awesome computer skills, which if you're having trouble in the dating pool, start showing your girls your computer skills and that'll really help. <sighs> Ask any nerd. Yes. <laughs> the bigger the computer, the hotter the girl, usually. Yep, that's right, because uh, David has a whole room full of gigantic computer equipment. Actually, the computer is an IMSAI-88. Which is less powerful than your telephone. Yes, by many magnitudes, I would imagine. 
I'd say it's. I actually think it might be less powerful than a Tamagotchi. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yes, and so David helps Jenny uh, by getting into the high school grade systems and uh, changing their grades. He changes his own from an F to a C, and uh, he helps change hers as well. Uh, she's she for some reason gets spooked by this. I uh, I don't know who's who wants their D back. Uh, <laughs> did you did you say D bag? No, I said who wants their D back? Okay. Who's like, who's like, no, don't give me a C, give me my D. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I know you're gonna cut this later, but <laughs> I might not. This is the kind of day it is. It depends on the time. Uh, after he changed your grade, he gave her the D. <laughs> yeah, she's into it. Okay. <laughs> I know it's. Oh god, it should be that funny, but I'm like five years old, so. <laughs> It's true, and I'm five as well. <laughs> no, if I'm at five, I'd be like, I don't understand what they're laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny at all. Um, so, basically, we also have more hacking, though. Later on, Jenny leaves, comes back, and they go to David's house again, so there's a second hacking scene. What happens this time, Ben? The second time, Jenny wants her grade changed back, but already david's taking care of that because he's that type of guy basically this time around they're able to hack the system and play some what david thinks are benign benevolent games and turns out they're actual real world games that the whopper computer is running yeah so david's stumbling his way into a Computer system designed by Stephen Falcon, who is, I guess, a famed programmer, right? Yeah. Apparently, he designed the system around uh, the ability for computers to learn from their mistakes, which is something that is very hot right now in the field of AI. And it makes you think, like, if this type of technology or this research was going on in the 80s, what happened to it? Over the past 40 years. It turned into Pandora Radio. Terminator came out. True. I mean, we have aspects of this technology now. But I think the conspiracy theory part of me thinks that they actually made an AI intelligence. And the AI intelligence is actually hiding itself and living amongst us now. They call him Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest trick the devil ever made was to fool the world into thinking he didn't, didn't exist. exist. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what happens as a result of this hacking, Brian? Well, he's awfully successful in almost starting World War III, which is probably a good reason to swear off hacking. And he tries to do just that. He tries to... Th- shut down the game he tries to act like it didn't happen he tries to turn it off uh but it appears as if he's too late soon soon enough he's been taken into custody by the government they take him surprisingly not to jail or maybe they do take him to jail initially but we see this off screen and they end up he ends up telling him everything that i just i'm here to play some games and the game i wanted to play was called global thermonuclear war and 
I don't know. Next thing I know, I'm getting pulled over by the military. This is all just a game, guys. They don't necessarily believe this, though, do they, Ben? They don't take him at his word. They think he's working with the Russians. They have. They think he's working for another state actor. They don't know. They think he's working with a partner. They don't know what's up, but they're not taking him at his at face value. <laughs> what was the line like? Uh, you know, subprime or subpar student. He uh, classic he's... recruitment for the for the Russians. Yeah, it's like. Is he though? <laughs> I mean... It's also it's also worth noting in this that this happens in a time in computing where the absolute worst thing you can do to fix a problem is turn off your computer. So once a once upon a time in computing, turning it off and turning it back on was not the ultimate solution. It was the worst possible thing. Hmm. I didn't ever remember that time but, <laughs> i mean even my nintendo you had to take it out and blow on it and right. put it back in so um so Flip the power button a little bit uh-huh yeah uh or hit it like the funds <laughs> <laughs> that never worked for me i'm not cool like the funds um so the military is mad about this high schooler from seattle hacking their system and david doesn't take it sitting down though does he no he uh, eventually gets enough. <clears throat> excuse me. He gets enough um, courage, and he ends up escaping, and um, goes off to find Mister Falcon, and tries to save the world, and let everybody know that this is simply a scenario that the computer is running. We should also mention that Stephen Falcon was believed to be dead by many, but uh, turns out he was a recluse and uh living under a different name on an island on an island goose island yeah and you have to get there only by ferry yeah yeah so uh what happens then brian i love the idea of that you want to live on an island but it's only accessible by ferry no i mean just 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 peacing out just being like new name nobody knows me everything's taken care of i don't have to work anymore i could i could do i could do hashtag recluse life once upon a time, there was a guy named Ted Kaczynski who was into that, too. But then he started mailing people stuff. Fair enough. Sorry, what, yeah. was, what was my next part? No, I was just saying that. So he does find uh, Stephen Falcon, famed computer programmer, or as famous as one can be in the computer programming field. But what then happens when they find him? Well, he takes him on an audiovisual journey of the dinosaurs trying to explain how we, too, are expendable species and the world will start again once we are gone. Uh, much to Matthew Broderick's dismay, considering he and his girlfriend are both 17-year-olds, and um, yeah, that would suck. He told them to enjoy themselves and, you know... Go on the run and while you can, have a few kids, and maybe you can watch them die. Which was harsh words. So he's really he's really bitter at mankind. There's a not not, not something one would call a people person. <laughs> <laughs> There's gotta be a warmer, softer way to explain evolution. I love it. No, no, this is the way. They're really gonna they're really gonna connect with this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm completely behind it. It's like the the joke where it's like everybody in the room who has a father, raise your hand. Oh, not so fast. The whole time, the whole time they were doing that presentation in front of the projector, I noticed he was standing in front of the projector. And so if I had been uh, David in this part, I would have been like, 
you put this movie on, but you're standing in front of it. I hear the words you're saying, but I can't really see the images. Could you just move to the left? No, you're more in the middle now. Like, I need you to move out of the way. The whole point of this projection screen and, oh, you're more in the way now. I can see very little of the screen. Can you just start over and just get off? I mean, do you know how projectors work? Do you think this is a rear projection system? It just kept bothering me. I don't know. I re Sometimes I get hung up on things. And I was just like, you're a terrible presenter. Nobody can see what you're talking about. <laughs> so an interesting note here. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time was a 90s movie called Hackers with Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. And uh, that's Ben's one of nodding his head. that terribly dates itself by terms like, wow, guys, a 28.8 kbps modem. But <laughs> um, the reason uh, I bring this up is the scene of the dinosaurs attacking each other that he's playing behind him is actually part of a montage of imagery as Johnny Lee Miller is making one of his first hacks in the beginning of the movie Hackers. Oh, that's where that was coming in. Mm. Okay. And I'm sure they would love this movie because as far as I'm aware, this is the first hacker movie. So uh, Falcon definitely not into helping them out. He sends them away in the middle of the night and says, go get the ferry, even though it doesn't come back until tomorrow. It's because he's Calls very hospitable. Uh, he offered yeah. to let him sleep on the floor. Did he? He did. He did. Yeah. He did. But they were too mad. Oh, right. Like, I don't have to take and that. full of angst. I'm going home. Remember they wanted to swim? She wanted to swim across. Oh, yeah. And it was like three or four miles. Yeah, and she's the athletic one of the yeah. bunch. Yeah. Because she's been like working out the whole time. Yeah. Because she's Miss Fitness to get on this TV, this physical fitness yeah, show. Yeah, she was going to be on TV. And he's a he's a hacking guy. He's like, oh, let's not swim. <laughs> let's not drown because he didn't know how to swim. She's like, yes, your lack of physical prowess only turns me more on to you. <laughs> and that's the way it works in real life right? especially in the 80s yeah <laughs> all right so uh nerds <laughs> <laughs> they're dejected they're trying to leave and what happens ben so falcon has a or his name is falcon i guess i keep saying falcon his name is falcon anyway he has a total change of heart and he decides that he doesn't indeed want to see the end of mankind in a bloody world war three so he decides to pick them up off the beach in his helicopter and whisk them away to uh norad back in colorado where he can confront joshua and the whopper so the military guys didn't listen to David, but they're willing to listen to Falcon when he comes in because it's kind of like the rock star re-entered the room. Like yeah, the, the guy who made the that actually made the system. Yeah, and they believed him to be dead in many cases, so they're like, oh, whoa, like Elvis is here, like kind yeah. of thing. Like this guy's a big deal. He's back in the house. And so uh, they warn them that this indeed is a game, and that you know this this is all just a game. And they're pretty skeptical even still. But uh, Brian, how do things play out from here? The military people admit that the game was made up but in a dramatic turn of events joshua takes over the control system and activates the missiles itself and so now the computer system is out to attack the russians what happens then brian they proceed to try to figure out how to thwart the machine and as many things that are so complex it's hard to understand in the first place the simplest answer ends up being correct, which is a game of tic-tac-toe, which they had referenced earlier in the movie as being a unwinnable game. That then teaches the computer that nuclear war is also an unwinnable game. So 
Ben, this this movie, how do you think it hit people at the time? Like, what was the impact of this? I think with uh, old Ronnie as president, given the situation at the time, the heightened like level of tension between the Russians and the Americans, I think it took everyone kind of aback, and it was a pretty high energy adventure movie as well. I thought people really enjoyed it because it was very scientific, uh, you know, science fiction based at the time. And uh, it had the Brat Pack in it. So how could it be bad? Like you mentioned, it's it's definitely a product of the Cold War. Mm. It's kind of funny. That seems so distant now. But at the time, Russia was a pretty big, like, threat uh, or, or cause of fear, I should say, to the average normal everyday person what's interesting is this movie is not just an adventure movie where somebody hijacks some nuclear warheads and holds the world hostage or whatever it actually seemed somewhat possible that this could happen there was a sense of feasibility to it so uh it definitely scared people and as you mentioned with ronald reagan he actually saw the movie and he discussed the plot with members of Congress and his advisors and the Joints of Chiefs of Staff. And uh, there's a New York Times article that reported that uh, this movie played a significant uh, role in Ronald Reagan's understanding of the policy of telecommunications and the computer systems um, that led directly to him pushing for the first federal laws intending to outlaw hacking and to strengthen cybersecurity within the government. So it was his interest in the film War Games here uh, that led up to 18, 18 months later, legislation for NSDD 145, which is the first presidential directive on computer security. So That's pretty impressive. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. Ronald Reagan watched it and uh, took it to heart. So, And uh, Donald Trump watched the movie The Wall starring Matt Damon and took that to heart, too. <laughs> We've got to keep the dinosaurs out. The Tyrannosaurus Rexes are coming into here. The people are coming. We've got to get the dinosaurs out of here, guys. If we don't do it, this entire country is going to look like Jurassic Park. I can see your president actually being worried about dinosaurs coming in. But I called Matt Damon. He can't hold all the dinosaurs back. <laughs> Matt Damon's like, leave me out of it. We got Star-Lord to help. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, what, what, how do you think people took this one? I could see this being kind of a war of the worlds kind of aspect where people freaked out about it. But um, I think that like any good movie plot point, there's some truth in it. And I think that's sometimes there really are laws and ideas that people come up with. And I get newsfeed articles and I'm like, wait, you didn't you see blank? This is a terrible idea. Why are you doing this? Watch this movie right now. This is awful. Yeah. That's so you're saying that there's a lot of movies that sometimes are prophetic or yeah. kind of call something out before they happen. Oh, absolutely. Well, this movie actually also led to a big spike in hacking. Oddly enough, the uh, negative consequence of this is there are a lot of people who are into computers who thought, Hmm, maybe Ali Sheedy would find me attractive if I can hack into some uh, computers. And they were probably disappointed. Were they all in North Korea? By the FBI. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the government was attracted to them after that, probably. But yes. So, Brian, why don't you give us a cast rundown here? Absolutely. I'm going to go down maybe the top 10, and then I'm going to toss a couple other guys in there just because I like them. Um, our uh, main billing here is with Ma Matthew Broderick as David. 
We have Dabney Coleman as McKittrick. John Wood as Falcon. Ali Sheedy as Jennifer, or Jenna. Barry Corbin as General uh, Berenger. Julian Clay as Pat Healy. Kent Williams as Cabot. Dennis Lipscomb as Watson. Joe Dorsey as uh, Conley. Irving Metzman as Riker. And two of my favorite people, which were just in it for a little bit, and you all touched on it at the very beginning, John Spencer as Jerry and Michael Masden as Steve. So Michael Masden, who will go on to be a gun-toting person in so many movies after this one, got to point his first gun at his first person. I have no idea if this is the first time he did that in a movie, but I'm going to pretend it was. The entire beginning of this movie, I was like, that's Michael Masden. That's awesome. Excuse it's me. fun when you. Madsen. It's fun when you. Yeah, it's fun when you see one of those guys who goes on to be a bigger star in an yeah. early role. Yeah, I, so I got really excited about that, and then he wasn't in it on it anymore. And then Jerry comes back later, like Steve got arrested or something for pointing a gun at him, and he just shakes his head as he loses his job. And I'm like, you didn't turn the key. <laughs> this is all your fault. So Ben, we had a viewing party for this one. At, yes. your, at your house, and we showed this to somebody who, uh, I, let's say he's 26, maybe, give or take. Yeah. So, completely unaware of the Cold War, Tetris fever, anything that happened in the 80s, doesn't know anything about... Uh, he probably has seen Ferris Bueller, so he is probably aware of who Matthew Broderick is. At a, at, Do you think? Uh, it's, a hard, so, it's a hard call. So that loud, that loud noise outside was the plane going over his head? Basically. So, we showed this to our friend... Uh, Nathan, who has also been on the show before. And so what do you think a young person's take on war games was through Nathan's eyes, Ben? If I were Nathan? Yes. Uh, I would be shocked by the antiquated computer systems and lack of internet. However, I would feel, again, it, it's a very contemporary message that they're promoting. There might be a, a lack of kind of drama, but I think it's made the drama is really made up for in the action that's going on in the alert, the alert process, firing I, radars I, and stuff. I think he came out maybe not fully enthused as we were. Yeah. Is am I wrong in saying that? Like he was like, yeah, it was a movie. Yeah. I saw that. No, I just because the. I think again the whole scenario's been played over so much so so often. That's interesting. Uh has your little brother seen this uh, Brian? I don't think so, but I can't swear to it. What do you think he would say if he saw this? I you know, I think he'd like it. He likes old science fiction. He's another Dune kid too. Um he and I are just chomping at the bit for this new Charlie Villanueva movie coming out. You know, I was a huge Blade Runner fan. I, I think he probably got a lot of this from me watching the movies I was watching when he was a kid. So, like, this isn't your typical kind of action with explosions and stuff like that. It's more of a tense suspense, and like, this is a political situation. Do you think that you get that without having an understanding of the Cold War, or having been at least we were there at the very end of it, and as only as kids, so. I almost know it more through history than history class than anything. So what I'm getting at is I think it helps to think about remembering a time when, like, again, MacGyver could break out of any situation with minimal things. Like, the hackers literally seem like MacGyver in a way because, you know, 
we, you know, you might have a computer at your library or at your school, maybe, and but it, it doesn't do anything, was my perspective when I saw this. Uh, this is long before the internet. Yeah. So the idea that someone could take this... Well, he was electronically crafty. I don't, I'm not, I don't think every hacker can use two spoons and some scissors to record the tones a touchpad makes and open a door. Yeah. Like, that was... I, I think you, you have to be more an engineering person. Like, I think what they're saying is he takes his stuff apart and puts it back together. It's not just the software side that he, he's no, good that, at. That, that's true. But what I'm saying is I think people can do so much today on their own mm-hmm. that at the time, all I could do was like, you know, my Game Boy was, uh, you know, save a different file or something like that. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, the computer at the library just had green text and you know, on a black screen and you had to type in these commands like, you know, one through seven, would you like to look up a book? That would be number six on the list. So you hit six and enter. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any depth to this device. It's almost like somebody handing you a book dictionary and telling you, you know, like, I need you to swing across the street without touching the pavement on this, <laughs> using this dictionary. And again, that's what I mean. There's a MacGyver-like nature of it. It's this device that at the time people probably knew about computers, but they were for calculating math, doing accounting, doing records and not, you know, there was no sense of this device was such a powerful communications element to the public. And I think that that was mind blowing for people at the time. And that's why I sit there and I think that I watched our friend who's a lot younger than us watch it. And I don't think all the lights were going off in terms of how amazing it was because, you know, if you have the ability to get on the internet the world's at your fingertips you can do email you can im you can communicate with anybody at any given moment you know especially if you're younger and social media's mm-hmm. there you know heck if i can make a podcast i'm one of the least technology savvy people that you'll find out there what i think is people just were blown away i would have thought that people would have been like whoa computers can do this and this this person who's like not a geek, but he's Matthew Broderick. He's kind of cool for a computer hacker. Gives a whole new face to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is that is that reading too much into it? Yeah, you might be over dramatifying it, but. So what I'm what I'm hearing, Russell, is you didn't have enough IDKFA in your computer life back in the day. I don't know what those initials mean. I IDKFA. It, it was the uh, the cheat code for unlimited health and ammo and doom. But that's what you'd had to use during DOS prompts. I don't know, but I just got sad and scared when I saw DOS, so I just turned the computer off every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like blue screen. Oh no, click. I'm not a computer person. If you haven't gathered already, um, some other fun things. Uh, Falcon, uh, the character we were talking about here, he was uh, inspired off of Stephen Hawking as this genius character. Uh, the part was also written with uh, the John Lennon, the Beatle, John Lennon, in mind. While the movie was in production, John Lennon had the inconvenience of dying uh, by murder. Getting and shot. Yep. Yes. Being that he was dead, he was unable to take this role, but he had interest in doing. So Wonderful. this movie was supposed to have John Lennon in the role. They didn't even try to weekend at Bernie's this, and I'm just disappointed. Oh. Small side tangent. John Lennon. Uh, it sucks. He signed an autograph for the guy who then waited outside of his apartment for like two hours afterwards. And then Lennon was like, Lennon walked into his apartment, signed this autograph for this guy waiting on his doorstep. And then this guy is like psycho. So he like stands outside 
and then Lennon's walking back out, uh, like going back out from having been home, and then he shoots him huh. and kills him. Yeah. Mm. So like it wasn't even like he you didn't sign my. No, no, he uh, it was in his uh, apartment in New York, and you know, again, it wasn't even like a, you didn't sign my autograph. I hate you, John Lennon. It was just a guy who was unfortunately off his uh, meds or not on meds or not diagnosed and unfortunately killed John Lennon. But it's funny, I kept thinking to myself, I didn't know that at the time because when I watched this, we have this British guy and here's like, he kind of talks like a beetle. <laughs> so uh, in a way, they probably stuck to that. I thought he talked more like Paul McCartney though. Ben, what'd you think about the arcade scene in there? <clears throat> Did you play some Galaxia? At any point? Yeah. I enjoyed the arcade. My most fond memory of the arcade is going to Pizza Hut with my dad and my brother. Mm -hmm. And there was an arcade, a Mario, when, before Nintendo came out, like, as your personal Oh, it was available on a, like, on an arcade game before? Uh, yeah, it was an arcade. Oh. Yeah. Man, that Mario seems like a hard brothers. game to yeah. go against on an arcade with standing the there. stick. You had your little joystick and your two buttons. It's a hard and game 50, for an arcade. Yeah, fifty cents for three lives. Fifty or cents, not, or twenty-five cents <laughs> okay. for three lives. Jeez. Yeah, it, you didn't last too long, but that was my arcade experience while we were waiting for our pizza to be. Wow. Picked up. Huh. We got to play a few games of that. Yeah, Brian, did you have a favorite arcade game? Uh, yes, it was the X Men one with four characters. It was uh, Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, and I don't quite remember who the other one was. But yeah, uh, recently that game came, became available for Xbox, and I downloaded it immediately, and I played it all the way through immediately, and that was the first time I ever made it to the end. It was very, very um, completing feeling. <laughs> nice. Arcade games were frustratingly uh, very difficult. Like uh, you couldn't get, I could never get very far into them. So, but yeah, I definitely like Galaxian. So. I think it was Nightcrawler. I think Nightcrawler was the other one. So, what do we think about the director, John Badham, here? What Do you think he made a good movie? I think, overall, it was a very encompassing, very well-done movie. I'd agree with that. i got to give him credit, because he made it fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very entertaining movie. There's another director who actually started this movie. His name is Martin Brest. And he was originally hired as the director, but was only fired 12 days into shooting. And so he had disagreements with producers. Uh, he was making the movie to be very serious, very dark and uh, ominous in feeling. And the producers didn't like that as much, so they replaced him with John Badham. And so he said that he came in, he was trying to put the fun back into it. And uh, so much so that when he started working with uh, Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy, they were like stiff as boards, is how he put it. Uh, he said that they were, A, afraid that they were going to lose their jobs because the director had been replaced. But in addition to that, uh, you know, the director, Martin Brest, was just making a different movie. So they had this tense stiffness to them and he had to loosen them up so much so that he would like run them around the studio chasing them and like, you know, like to, as like a warm up. And then whoever would come in last uh, and had to sing a song in front of the whole crew. Oh, wow. And so uh, he came in last himself and ended up singing The Happy Wanderer. Um, but um, Okay. <laughs> so he's trying to lighten the mood pretty much. Yeah. And so it actually sounds like John Badham, or sorry, yeah, was a fun guy to have on studio. It, it was a breath of fresh air 
and the sense of what you get in the first scene, like how tense things are. The whole movie could have been more like that without mm. the replacement, but the fun that you have in terms of the changing of the grades and like the high schoolers stumbling into this big conspiracy. So that's... Nice. Uh, um, I'm glad he decided to go that direction because if if it would have been more strict and stringent, I think it would have been lost kind of the the cult status following of it. Yeah. I don't think it would have developed. Because if it becomes a movie about paranoia, I don't think it's fun anymore. Therefore, yeah. I don't think we'd be watching it to this day. Mm. And um, I don't think it would have been the hit that it was back then. Yeah. So Agreed. John Madham was known for Saturday Night Fever. So that's why he got this. Any other thoughts on John Badham and just like the feel of the movie? Well, he did a couple other movies that I've really enjoyed. Short Circuit was excellent in terms of 80s movies. But uh, one I want to mention because I feel like probably very few people have seen or heard of. He did an extra awesomely terrible action movie with Wesley Snipes called Drop Zone with Gary Busey. Uh, in the mid nineties and for the longest time, like I used to rent it on VHS, uh, in West Virginia and I loved that movie cop drama with parachuting and skydiving. So check it out. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I noticed in this movie was, uh, they really hit you. I I think eighties product placement hits you as more abrupt because there's not as much of it back then. This movie Hits you with a massive surge of product placement, doesn't it, Ben? It does. Everywhere you look, KFC or McDonald's or... State Farm. State Farm. Like, that's a strange product placement Pepsi. for a movie. Yeah. Like, did you watch this movie and then be like, I need to get some car insurance? <laughs> I definitely felt insecure after that movie, though. <laughs> I needed some sort of reinforcement. You needed somebody like a good neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and another funny one was Red Man Tobacco. But the, right. the general was, like, <laughs> chewing very, you know, abruptly. There's a lot of smoking in this movie as well. Yeah. I, I, when Stranger Things came out, it's just like, somehow I'd never realized in the 80s like, how much smoking there was in media. Cause Especially it, in the early 80s, because it's a crossover from the 70s. And, you know, in the 70s, everybody, everything went. Yeah, and so it was interesting. When Stranger Things came out, I was like, man, these guys smoke all the time. Because yeah. it hasn't been in entertainment in years but yeah. because it's in the 80s they're doing it again yeah and then it is funny i just, i go back and watch this and i'm like there's just smoking inside a like military base i don't know i'm i'm, I'm assuming that didn't happen but maybe it no uh well it doesn't anymore well this is back in a time they ask him if they wanted smoking or non-smoking seats on their airplane uh, yeah that's true so everybody smoked in the 80s apparently or chewed tobacco yeah. big hunk of it just pull that loop out and insert it was before, you know, the ozone and uh, the ice caps melting, so... Might as well smoke. So Ali Sheedy actually works with John Badham again on Short Circuit uh, as well. Ben, uh, are you familiar with Short Circuit? And do you pick up any of that fun nature that he brings to war games here as well as the Short Circuit? Like, uh, they're different I movies, obviously. love Short Circuit. So in a comparison and contrast in terms of John Badham as director... Do you see some similarities knowing that those are the same guy? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously similarity in the casting and kind of the feel that is brought to the movie. And there's also that crossover between the question of AI and... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Johnny Five's way nicer than Joshua, though. Yeah, but he has an evil side to him, too. Johnny Five 
If oh, that's you, right. He does go bad. Yeah, he doesn't go bad, but if you piss him off, he <sighs> yeah, he's fully armed. And speaking of uh, Johnny Five, uh, Disney should have gotten sued with uh, Wally because it's pretty much a little short version of Johnny Five. Like you think so? Yeah, he's got the same track wheels. His his eyes have those same binocular kind of looks yeah. and. I, I mean, never really thought of it. Oh yeah, it was funny. when I first saw Wally, it was like it's like, a, it's like it's like a little junior Johnny Five. He's just a little bit shorter. Yeah. So if you like Wally, you'd like Short Circuit. I particularly like Wally too. I thought it was really well done. Do you think uh, the uh, artificial intelligence is a good thing, Ben? Are you are you an optimist towards the future technology? Or are you afraid of what's the what's going to become of these computers getting smarter? I don't know. Right now, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and right now, uh, Star Trek is just been confronted. A spoiler alert for all of those following this new season of Star Trek: an AI from the future, an evil AI from the future, has come back and is trying to take over the present. So this theme of artificial intelligence, I think, is kind of proliferating through science fiction at the moment. And I, it's, it's really fascinating, I think, for the first time, especially with 4G on the merge of 4G technology. Mm-hmm. I think we're just on the verge of being able to really get to artificial intelligence level type of capacity. And it's most surely going to be evil and try to take over, right? So I think the 80s was the start of the movies where technology is no longer your friend. It changes because everything and everything in the past is always like like back when we did the 2001 episode like everything in the future was going to be awesome look how awesome and easy and convenient mm-hmm. and you know wonderful life in the future is and then come in the 80s you've come in with movies like brian was mentioning a blade runner you know even war games is a dystopia 1984 and all of a sudden technology is not our friend it's kind of like we won world war one we were really or sorry we won world war one two we're really excited and optimistic about our future but after a recession, a gas crisis, the Cold War, and uh, a recession in the economy, all of a sudden it changes our perception. And technology doesn't necessarily make or break the times and stuff like that, but it's, it, it's an interesting how the people's views changed in that mm-hmm. time. Um, I don't know if you pick up on that and if you feel like that uh, falls into this movie, even though it has a more fun tone, Brian. I wouldn't call it dystopian. I think it is a... Um light-hearted casual warning i like we had talked about earlier i don't think this is something that was meant to scare the crap out of people but it is something thought-provoking in order to you know kind of convey a point but also make an entertaining movie like you don't have to hammer it down people's throats i thought that they got the point across that you shouldn't totally take people out of the loop when making decisions oh absolutely even though we're bad decision makers inherently Trusting a computer to make all your decisions for you will, I don't know. Don't take your own vote away. Right. Ben, what do you think about the look of the NORAD Command Center? This was one of the most expensive sets ever built at this point in time. It cost over $1 million to to make, and they had to create this whole compound out of scratch, basically, because they weren't obviously allowed to go to the real NORAD or the real base. So this is not the real NORAD. Do you feel like they nailed the feeling of being on a base, though? I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, it's a little different than what the real... I think compared to what I know from what the real NORAD looks like and 
Oh, you've been to the real set. Norad? I haven't been there, oh. but I've seen pictures of what the wash floor looks like. Yeah. Similar, actually, but just not as grandiose. I mean, it's... So the big room with all the computers and everybody... It doesn't in... really exist. Oh. It's a smaller room with computers and everything. Didn't the director have a pretty good quote about that? Uh, do tell. I read. I think it was the director. It, it was either the director or the guy who played Falcon. Uh, they said had a quote saying, uh, because because they weren't allowed into Norad to see what it looked like, and then they built this this big set for it. It's like uh, Norad's wet dream or something like that. Yeah, they made it look a lot sexier. I'm sure than it it really is. Well, I'm sure the military had even better stuff than that. No. No? That's the thing. Everybody thinks the military gets the latest and greatest. The military gets not the latest and greatest. Everything the military has is like five or ten years out of date. So they're walking around with an iPhone 3G. If it's military (laughs) issue, yes. Okay. That's that's an uncomforting thought. Yeah. Remember that. They're passing them out. These are the new Motorola Razors, guys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. It's the thinnest hey, in cell phone I technology. I, I, won't, I won't lie to you guys. There are days where I'm like, man, I would use a flip phone right now. Oh, I miss my razor. My my razor got stolen in in uh, grad school. Mine died on a roller coaster ride. I assume it died because I was at uh, Zen Pocket, and then it was. I, 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 <laughs> I was in Tampa Bay Bush Gardens, and I was on a roller coaster that uh, has a very steep incline. They hold you there at the top. And I was in probably the front car, and I saw the cell phone fly out in front of me, and I was like, <laughs> some idiot lost their phone. <laughs> and then I got to the end of the ride, and I was like, where's my phone? <laughs> oh. I'm that idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and then my dad's like, you have cargo pants. Why didn't you put it in the pocket? I was like, I don't put it in the pocket because I want to be able to reach in and get to it. He's like, Seems like a waste of having cargo pockets if you don't put it. Like, I see that now, <laughs> Dad. Post rationalization's not helping. <laughs> yeah, so it it most certainly fell to a several multi-floor uh, story height plunge. So, yeah. Brian, do you have a, the end of your razor story tangent? Uh, the last flip phone I didn't have a razor, but the last flip phone I had was an LG, and it was one of the best low-tech phones that. I ever had. I mean, it was, it actually took fantastic pictures for what it was, but, uh, it never met its actual demise, but I did a really good attemptive, uh, murder of it, uh, at, um, Keystone in Colorado. I was skiing through some trees and a branch had been broken off halfway and I had it in the breast pocket of my ski jacket and it probably saved me from a couple broken ribs but it completely crushed the front of it, but it would still flip open and make calls. Ben, do you have any other interesting, this technology is not as good as you would think stories? From the military? Yeah. Nothing that I can't, nothing that's not classified and I'd have to kill you afterwards. Mm, okay. Well, oh. You guys are in the same room too. That's unfortunate. Yeah. You have to get a plane ticket to get me. Don't come after me, I fight dirty. I would have I to bite, send a I, I tomahawk missile after you, Brian. <laughs> so what do we think about the uh, soundtrack here uh ben i enjoyed it it was kind of like intro like the the very beginnings of the uh synthesizers yeah it was kind of unimpressive okay i thought it added tension to the moments like 
the, the the command center having that like like the oh, strings yeah. go on and stuff like that like i don't know i just i thought that mood where the you know the lights go out everything's strobing you know <laughs> the computer just sparks and goes on like you know shorts out because it, it's become conflicted and is harder to work i mean i don't know or I'm, where it has to work harder uh i think it's funny it's a notion of being at work when the server goes down like i'd like to imagine that the office's lights all go off and that our, our computers just like start having sparks fly out of them and like some of them start flickering on and on and off on and off on and off wouldn't the world be much more interesting if computers actually failed like this maybe maybe one of them just one of them has a little bit of smoke coming up through no, the keyboard fingers. I think those are the bad old days when they had transistors and stuff. And Okay. Yeah. No, I don't want my computer to smoke and spark. What are those fire drills for, if not for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash uh, was uh, submitted a song called War Games. Uh, it was actually from their album Allies, so you can listen to it. Uh, it was supposed to make the movie, but it later got edited out. So they were disappointed to see their song. Said, just make kidding. It yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm not just Crosby and Stills. I've got Nash here too. And I told you, you could use our song and you didn't use it. Like I went to the movie and it wasn't there. And why was that? And the director's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you guys <laughs> sorry <laughs> one of the things that strikes me as odd about this movie is the ending uh the music is really intense and climactic and then it just ends abruptly and it's silent afterwards and it's like there's this tension afterwards uh there's no sense of like we just blew up the death star here's a firework and like the john williams score explodes with like oh joy right it's like they ran out of music like where's the uh like you know, soothing. Well, like I like, said, at no point in time did I really feel like the the music was. I, like I'm sure it added to or was rightfully attached to suspenseful moments, but it's. I just don't think it's something memorable from it. Okay, this movie gets nominated for best sound, though not necessarily soundtrack, but sound. Do you like the sound effects of this movie, Ben? Yes, I like the Whopper. <laughs> That makes me think that it is doing something. If it just sat there quietly, I'd be like, I don't see what's so big deal about it. It seemed more ominous by having this uh, display. It kind of looked like a face, too. Yeah, like, it kind of had eyes. Yeah, and the red the red lines that would fluctuate from up and down could be like a smile or a sad <laughs> face. They weren't that literal with it, but I thought it was there. Or am yeah. I seeing things? No, you were kind of seeing things, but oh, okay. Yeah, it could be. It could go either way. I shouldn't take acid before watching this no. movie next time. We'll keep the acid out away from you next time. Okay. All right. Next time. <laughs> Telling is better on acid. Next time, gadget. Next time. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that explains why I was watching two inches away from the screen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, should I go into the light? <laughs> it's time to go into the segment we like to call Look for This. Ben, are there any fun details or fun facts you want to call out about this movie? Okay, the computer scene in the black and white film of Falcon is made up of the components of an IBM AN FSQ7 Combat Direction 
Central, built in 1954 to protect the United States from Soviet bomber attack. It was the largest and heaviest computer system ever built, and the full system weighs 6,000 tons and is made up of the entire floor of a bomb-proof blockhouse. So that's pretty cool. That's where the video he was... Yes. It's the room that he's sitting in, is the room of that supercomputer yeah. that did all that stuff, that, that giant made thing so yeah. it was a fun place to go shoot it's oh. not that the computer itself is that that room that they constructed for the war command center was just strictly for the movie but the film footage they have the stock footage the of him in the black and white that's him sitting in front of that giant awesome oh. computer that was once the best thing since sliced bread um mine is more of a go back and look for this Barry Corbin, who plays the uh, the general in this, uh, he ad-libbed the majority of his lines. Really? So really go back and, and pay more attention to him because... He has a lot of lines. Yeah, and he just winged it, apparently. Huh. Man. Uh, that would be great to be able to show up to work and just say, I got this. I do that every time we podcast. <laughs> <laughs> John Badham does sound like a pretty, like, breath of fresh air kind of director. Like, relax, guys. We got this. <laughs> we'll get through it. <laughs> like, they're like, didn't they trust you with millions of dollars to make sure that this gets done correctly and on time? Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. Relax, guys. Take a break. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's just a movie. Yeah, this is fun. So both this movie and Ferris Bueller's Day Off from 1986, which comes three years later than this, involve the main character, played by Matthew Broderick, breaking into his high school's computer system. In more games, Broderick changes his uh, biology grade, whereas in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Broderick changes the number of days that he's skipped from school. His mother plays a real estate agent in both War Games and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So Ferris Bueller is a little bit of a hacker himself. Yeah. So, And plays off the... Uh slacker hacker it's true so in a way maybe this helped him get the part for ferris bueller yeah but he's much more famous for ferris bueller correct definitely yeah yeah that was kind of what made him but this would have gotten him in position to where he could yeah. do that so how does this movie affect you when you watch it now it affects me it makes me really think about cybersecurity mm -hmm. does that it, it may sound cheesy and stupid but it makes me think about cybersecurity and oh, similar for me too. whether the russians are hacking my i think about how inconvenient people who hack into stuff makes life for me because like every time you get into a do computer you, feel you have to be like, like you are you a have... robot and it's like yeah. no click on the click on the stop signs it's like but do you feel like the anxiety that it caused like i know you don't like paypal I don't. It's You're true. like one of those people that won't get PayPal. It's true. Do Still. you? Do you? <laughs> I am not a robot. <laughs> do you feel like if Russia wasn't out there, you know, doing its thing, would you feel more comfortable? I refused to get on Facebook for like two years because mm. of I just was like, "Are you kidding? You're writing your real name into this thing on the internet." And it wasn't until the entire generation of people I was in college with was like, all right, well, I guess we're all screwed together. I mean, yeah. I, I, at that point, it's just like, 
I'm going by the rule of numbers here. So if somebody just totally gets breached and knows and they know everything about you, by the odds of millions of people, maybe it won't be me kind of thing. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Guys, I look at this a completely different way. Like when it comes to like NSA listening to phone calls or Russia looking at my Facebook, good job, guys. Like have at. You, you found the picture of me in British Columbia. That's enjoy that. That's, that's, that's all for you. You listened in to my uh, my podcast about war games, so now you know a little bit about a 1983 movie that where you're yet again the antagonist, but not really. Like, what do you get from spying on me? <laughs> Somewhere in Norad Base, they're sitting there going like, hmm, he's a podcaster, a book enthusiast, and he goes skiing. Yeah. Sounds like a prime suspect to be working with the Russians. Right. <laughs> to be recruited by the Russians. <laughs> Like, all of this would bite me in the butt if I were in Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> but outside of that, like, okay, guys, have at. <laughs> so it's superlative time. Are you ready to hand out some awards? Ben. Let's do it. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? Who's your MVP of War Games? The Whopper. The Whopper? I like it. Joshua. You don't AKA have a movie without Joshua. him. Or her. Yeah. Or it. Ben played a sound clip the other day that uh, said that they've come up with a new gender-neutral uh, phone help system called Q instead of it being male or female. In case, in case Siri uh, telling you to do things were like, don't tell me to do that, lady. I don't appreciate that. And then if a guy were to tell you this, I feel very threatened by your voice. Um, so they've created a more gender-neutral one, which to me sounds like a chick, but uh, apparently, apparently to some not. it sounds like a dude. Yeah. No. Nope. So. All right, guys. I absolutely refuse to talk to a phone assistant named Q unless it sounds like John DeLacie. <laughs> you mean Desmond Llewellyn? No. The guy who plays Q from Star Trek. Oh, they meant Q from Bond. I thought you were going to say, no. you see here, Demo 7, if you pull this <laughs> lever. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's fair, too. But no, I want it to be the snarky, omnipotent being from Star Trek. Okay. We were on two different wavelengths. I didn't know there was a Q in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Ben, Ben's my Star Trek uh, um, authority Q, here. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. All Star Trek questions in Pittsburgh should go through Ben. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Brian. This this episode is off the rails, into the woods. It's all right. All good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian, who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP for this one is going to be uh, Barry. I, I, I love the general. The general is my favorite character in this. Barry Corbin? Yep. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Well, I've got to give Matthew Broderick some love then because he made computer hacking sound cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of people who signed up for computer hacking classes and did not get Ali Sheedy as their girlfriend who walked away un unhappy about four years later. But um, that's okay. In case, in case you yourself are interested, I have a hacking for dummies book at work. Wow. There you go. Interesting. You can, you can change your high school grades, too. <laughs> you you too. know what? If, uh, you know, if uh, Ferris Bueller and or uh, David had helped uh, Ali Sheedy out in the breakfast club, maybe she wouldn't have had to go to detention. Maybe. Maybe. So my uh, MVP is Matthew Broderick. Uh, but who's your best supporting actor, uh, Ben? Best supporting actor would have to be falcon i think as a good supporting actor 
Yeah, so you're going to go with John Wood? Yeah. All right. The British... It, did it bother anybody else that you had a British guy helping the American... Like, like working for the American government? It's always in the science fiction community. They're, the the good guys or the bad guys are always British. Who controls some... the British crown? Who keeps the metric <laughs> system down? We do. When you were in the U.S. Navy, Ben, how many British guys did you encounter working for the Navy? Americans? Yeah. Well, we encountered the British. No, we no, no, no. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Like, who, how many British, like, computer <laughs> programmers? Yeah. How many, oh. how, many, how many British guys are telling all the American people what to do in their command center? Oh, not too many. I didn't think so. No. You've been called out, War Games. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I I just kept thinking it was odd to have this Paul McCartney goes. Yeah, I wrote the computer system, and it's, it's it can think for itself. We can play chess. <laughs> you sound South African. Yeah, you need to work on your British accent. That was that was a Paul McCartney specific British accent. I could have gone, I could have gone. You know, it's like Andy. Well, I could have gone very proper with yeah. the, with the British accent and said the computer now thinks for itself. <laughs> I'll have you know, indubitably. Indubitably. Good, Indubitably. sir. I'll have you know that I wanted to play a good game of chess. <laughs> Russell's insane. <laughs> Off the rails. Off the rails. <laughs> so, no, that was my attempt at Paul McCartney. We threw we'll down do that the St. Gauntlet, and he, he yeah. did it. Yes, yeah, so that's my mutton chop British game. <laughs> <laughs> You like dags? <laughs> Train careening into the water of the ocean at this point <laughs> brian best supporting actor i'm gonna go with dabney coleman as mckittrick interesting uh, basically because i really enjoyed the dynamic between the general and him growing to the point where he calls him a pig face <laughs> so on the mustache meter i give him a, a an eight it was, it was solid he did have I, a good stash it's no I'll, sam elliott I, i'll leave this for thing i'll change but keep going Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Barry Corbin, which was uh, uh, your MVP, Ben. Yep. So. Um, He's got two. Yep. Who is your hidden gem, which is the underappreciated cast or element of the movie? Probably that flying dinosaur. <laughs> okay. It really brings the whole movie together. You know what? Uh, our, fellow, our, our fellow younger watcher Nathan watched this, and he he was troubled by it. Yeah, he was troubled. That was by really it. the pinnacle of the whole. Movie. He was initially fooled, and he goes, "What kind of bird is that?" And then later on, he got upset. Like, I didn't like how they shot that coming in, and like it made it seem like it was like it was like, "Hey, it fooled you. Yeah. You thought it was a bird." He, he it didn't. Sit it's well totally with unexpected because they're the music around that is just very contemporary. Like there's no drama or anything about that it. That was it's part just, of his issue was yeah. the way it was presented. Yeah, it really got yeah. under his skin for some reason. It did. Uh, Brian, uh, what is your hidden gem, or who is your hidden it, gem? Hidden gem's gonna be uh, Michael Madsen. I I enjoy him in so many movies now that. Uh, the fact that it, he just got kind of tossed into the beginning of this just tickled me. Interesting. Interesting. I, I should have seen that one coming based on your other thing. I'm going to go with uh, the hackers, uh, uh, particularly Eddie Deason, who plays Malvin. He's the duck voice sounding guy who's like yep. really skinny. And like, I don't know where they found this human being, but he's great. 
I've already thought of it. You all are still talking, and I've already thought of it. Remember when I told you to, when you're being insensitive and rude to tell you about it? Well, you're doing it. You're doing it now. <laughs> I love those guys, and they need to be in this movie more. Yeah. I don't know how it happens, but when they Ali... They could have their own movie. They could have their own spinoff. When Ali Sheedy comes back to help him out, which he has no need for her to come back. It's just like, it's better for other fun characters to come back. They need to come back in with her. Yeah. Um, actually, that might be my change. One thing I just I, that was off the top of my head, but that's pretty good. What is if you had to recast somebody and put somebody else in their place? Who would you put in their place, or uh, who would you replace, Ben? I would replace the general with no. with. I'd replace him with um, Gene Hackman. Oh, okay. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian, I think Brian Cox would be a fun general too. Okay, those are good choices. So, Brian, if you had to recast somebody, who would it be? I was thinking that I would like to see John Lennon as a uh, as a uh, Falcon. I would also like to see him not murdered before this. So, I I like that as well. I think he actually would have done a good job. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that idea. I think he would have done the dejected, uh, you know, reclusive uh, job really well, and then uh, maybe even sold the uh, "I'm coming back to do the right thing" kind of thing. I don't know. He wasn't an actor, but I'd, I would have been really interested to see him take it on. Although the Beatles did movies. Yeah? Yeah. They weren't known for being amazing actors. Yeah. But, yeah. That still would have been would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, if I had to recast somebody, I'm going after Mrs. Lightman, uh, the mother of the of David. Uh, it's played by Susan Davis. I actually just, for whatever reason, she kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit to me. And uh, I, somebody a little more interesting. So I put Kim Darby, uh, who is the mother from Better Off Dead. Another 80s movie. What do you think the best shot or cinematic image is in the movie, Ben? Probably any scenes inside of NORAD, of the main Command screen. Room. Yeah. That's a good choice. Uh, it was impressive. Brian, best shot. I like the one where they're running. They jump on the ferry and they start crossing uh, over to Goose Island. Um, those are shots in movies. Uh, even, you know, I'll use the shot from Double Jeopardy where she drives the car into the water. And uh, I, I like those sort of scenes. I like those areas. I like places on lots of water. So those are always really just nice. It makes me enjoy the, the area in which it's shot and location. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie impressed a lot of people because it got nominated for Best Cinematography uh, at the Oscars. So uh, I'm with Ben, though, particularly the climax of the movie when the lights go out and the control room is shorting out and uh, the screens are staying on, giving this pale blue light, kind of a strobe light effect in there. And then uh, they uh, also cut to another great shot of the Whopper and the control room. And again, it's a lifeless gray box. How interesting can it be? But they build tension through the camera angles that they take. And then they switch from person to person at the command center. It's not necessarily one shot, and I'm kind of taking a cop out on this, but it's a collection of really good shots. So best scene, Ben. When he's interacting with the computer with Joshua for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like when he first logs in. Mm-hmm. And he starts playing with the game. Ah, yeah. So, the, so the the hacking of the first so t- time he's able to hack it. Yeah, 
Brian, what's your best scene? I like him escaping from the uh, the room, the the medical room they have him locked in. Like the entire MacGyver sequence was really oh. fun to watch. Yeah, that was and, cool. and then the way he escaped with the uh, the school group that was giving a tour of the war room in NORAD. <laughs> yeah, what was that like? <laughs> Just a VIP tour. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe, yeah, okay. maybe that's a maybe that's a throw out to the fact that they themselves weren't actually allowed in NORAD, so they decided yeah. to make NORAD look really bad by allowing a school group to do it. They're tour. in one of the yeah, they're in the, one of the most locked down places in the entire U.S. government, and they're running <laughs> tours through it. That kind of thought, that threw me. That, hey, you'll get back with a tour group. You do a lot of tours though, but like. I was stationed at a listening facility in Hawaii. Yeah. And it was one of the most visited facilities for U.S. like personnel, like government officials and stuff. Mostly because they wanted a trip to Hawaii, but <laughs> yeah, it was toured oh. a lot. Okay, well, I stand corrected then. Uh, my best scene is going to be the other hacking scene where they change the grades. I just thought it was fun. Mm. And maybe it's because I myself wanted to be able to change my grades. And so after seeing this movie, it would have been like, you go to the computer and be like, okay, where how do I change? How do I do that? Exactly. And then you realize that you don't know anything about this. And the, again, what I, what I was telling you earlier is just this useless thing that only does math and, you know, plays a c- couple of computer mouse games and stuff yeah. like that. Oregon Trail. Yes. Yeah. God, I love that game. <laughs> I still sometimes go online to try to see if i can find a free download of the original oregon trail they've like remastered it into more complex games now and i'm like no i just want the original <laughs> it was a terrible game if nobody ever I else want... has played it i loved it at the time but i didn't realize that at any given moment you could just die of cholera yeah mm. oh absolutely but no not if you brought medicine with you but you had to really you had to learn budgeting at a very young age because you know you could take the small wagon and have extra food and medicine. But man, that thing broke wagon wheels, fording rivers like a beast. So then <laughs> later on you'd have medicine, but all your family drowned when you tried to cross the Mississippi. I mean, there were just so many problems you can have and they were all legit problems. Like I would say I made it to Oregon one in five times. You made it past Oregon. You're in Washington. Well, you know what I mean? uh, I used to play it just till I got to Wyoming and then I would stay in Wyoming and just buy ammo and shoot wildlife. (laughs) All right. Well then, uh, so, uh, okay. So what is your change? One thing, Ben, if you could change anything in this movie, if I could change one thing in this movie, it would be how easily he was able to hack the system. It sounds like Ronald Reagan was sitting there thinking the same thing of like, wait, can someone do this? Wait, they can? Literally at the time, it was probably that easy. Yeah. They didn't have passwords or user accounts to get into anything. Let's not belittle the fact that he did a lot of research to get to where he got. And in the end, it was a, basically a, a wag to get it. Well, then uh, I think you're giving, I don't know. It seems impossible to do by today's standards. But um, I, no, no system is completely impenetrable as they said in the movie so for me uh my change one thing is going to be more scenes with the parents i particularly the dad uh the the dinner scene where they eat the corn's hilarious (laughs) and so i just uh i'm probably 
tipping my hand for where my best quote's going to go, so I'll save it for a little bit later. But uh, um, so, uh, what would your uh, best quote be, Ben? Uh, it has to be. Uh, would you like to play? How a, about a nice game a, of chess? Wouldn't you prefer? Nice, wouldn't yeah. you prefer a nice game of chess? Yeah, wouldn't you prefer a nice game of chess? No, I would like to play global thermonuclear war. Uh, Brian, what is your best quote of the movie? Probably from Whopper, a strange game. The only winning move is not to play. One of the big quotes of the movie. And for me, I'm going to go with, uh, this corn's raw! (laughs) I know, isn't it wonderful? It's so crisp. Of course (laughs) it's crisp. It's raw! No, it's terrific. You can just taste the vitamin A and E in here. Isn't it great? (laughs) Could we have pills and coke the corn? Yes, this was uh, a big hit for me. These are terrible parents who don't ask where their kid is going. I don't think that they even know that he's been arrested. Like For they, days. For days. They, they, they just want him to take out the garbage, yeah. and that's it. Is this they the, seem to be very hands-off. They do. Is this not the father of Mike from Stranger Things? Kind of. Yeah. Reminds me of that. <laughs> me too. He has the same glasses and same disinterested right. look. of like, like Occasionally chiming in was like, now, don't talk to your mother that way. <laughs> and then, like, tunes back. <laughs> totally. It's like, you guys don't even care what's happening to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full circle, and now it's time to give this movie a rating. So on a five-star scale, Ben, what do you give 1983's War Games? Four and a half. Four and a half? Four uh, and a half. Mm-hmm. Solid four and a half. Brian, what do you give this movie? I'm going to go with a four. I mean, it's just a thoroughly enjoyable movie. Um, I think that it was, I, I just, I, I, four feels good. I don't have a, this is something that I, I kind of took a Hail Mary on buying it. I, I didn't remember how much I liked it, but I bought it anyway because I didn't want to spend $4 on a rental when the movie was only like 10 bucks anyway. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I would absolutely watch this again. I might even end up watching it again this week. So just good, solid 80s fun movie. I'm also going to go with a four on this one. And the thing that kept it from going a little bit higher for me is if you couldn't tell, like a few more moments of the hacker friends or the parents being goofy. This movie is a lot of fun. And it is a political thriller at its core, but one of the things that makes this movie special to me and makes sure that it has aged well are the fun characters and changing your grades and just more more regular high school problems that kind of enter this world and stuff like that. I think it would be funny to see his parents get involved with the FBI coming in the house, taking their stuff out of the house and make like the wife being upset and like the father maybe being disinterested or something like that. Um, I think there's some opportunities. I'm not saying to go turn it into a full-blown comedy, but I just think that there's some opportunities uh, to strengthen. So I go for as well. Brian, you ready to help me pick a movie for next time? Absolutely. I think it's ready that we'd pay a visit to 007. And I'm really excited because we're going to do a Bond movie next time. And I've got three great Bond movies picked out. You ready? I am. Option number one, Dr. No from 1962, the first Bond. A resourceful British government agent seeks answers in a case involving the disappearance of a colleague and the disruption of an American space program. Option two. 
Goldeneye from 1995. James Bond teams up with the lone survivor of a destroyed Russian research center to stop the hijacking of a nuclear space weapon. And option three, Casino Royale from 2006. Armed with a license to kill, secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007. He must defeat a private banker in a high-stakes game of poker, but things are not what they seem. I am going to go with, with the one I've said for years is the quintessential Bond movie, and I'm going to go with Goldeneye. So we're going to do Goldeneye next time. Sorry, had to stop in the bathroom. <laughs> Dust off your Nintendo 64 video games and pull out the Pierce Brosnan classic of Goldeneye. Ben, thank you so much for coming in and doing... It's been a answer. pleasure, Russell, as always. Yeah, thanks, man. Good meeting you, Brian. You as well. Thank all of you all for listening. All the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, we invite you to reach out to us because we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Email us at RetroMovieRoundtable at Yahoo.com if you want to talk to us in depth or be on the show yourself. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? My teacher tells me real beauty's on the inside. That's just something ugly people say.